You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Good morning, church. Um, Today's first reading is from Psalms, chapter 121. And it's on page 543, if you've got one of the church Bibles. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going, both now and forever. And the second reading today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 34, and it's on page 816. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of those. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the service furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. Do not worry, saying, what will we wear? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And can we just all rise for the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who could conceive by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, it's great to be back with you. I think it was almost a year ago, I think it was March last year, that I was here last and preached from Psalm 18. So we've made some progress. Today it's Psalm 121. Keep it open with you in your Bibles. Let me pray. Please, uh, dear Heavenly Father, give to each of us this day what we need that in our lives before you, we might honour you and rejoice uh, because you care. For Jesus' sake. Amen. The message of the sermon this morning is pretty simple. The best Christian life is a stable Christian life. The best Christian life is a stable Christian life. A Christian life that's more about walking than running frantically. A Christian life that doesn't panic but has steadfast trust in the Lord. A Christian life that isn't swinging from one extreme to the other but sees the destination and walks persistently towards it, being more like the tortoise than the hare, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race for Christians. But don't take my word from it. for it. Look with me at Psalm 121. And in Psalm 121, a believer is walking to Jerusalem. You see that just before the first line, it says, a song of ascents. These were songs that pilgrims recited or sang or prayed as they walked from their home going up to Jerusalem. They were literally walking 
steadfastly, slowly, deliberately towards the destination. So what does this pilgrim pray on the path towards Jerusalem? Well, the first line reminds us that we should, well, at least the psalmist does, raise their eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? And we know mountains, we go for holidays in mountains, we might go skiing in mountains, we take pictures of beautiful mountains. We assume that when the psalmist looks towards the mountains, they're looking towards the mountains because they're beautiful. Actually, in the world of the psalmist, it was on mountaintops that you put pagan shrines. Listen to this verse from Jeremiah 3.23. Truly, the mountains are a delusion. There are orgies on the mountains. Jeremiah realises that you don't look to the top of mountains to get your bearings because on the top of mountains people are trying to reach God through their orgies or through their pagan religions. When the psalmist says, I lift my eyes towards the mountains, he sees mountains around him as he walks towards Jerusalem, asking the question, where will my help come from? Not from the mountains. He says in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You don't look at the mountaintops, you look beyond them. To the maker of the mountains, the maker of heaven and earth, that's where my help comes from. The mountains are going to do nothing for you. This pilgrim is walking towards Jerusalem, steadfast, and knows that there are distractions on the way. He doesn't look to the mountains to get his bearings, but to the Lord who made them. And look how in verses 3 and 4, the psalmist reflects on his journey. The maker will not allow your foot to slip, your protector, or in old versions, it says your keeper. Your keeper will not slumber. Indeed, the protector or the keeper of Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. At least half a dozen times in this psalm, God is described as our keeper, or in this version, our protector. It's a really important word, but not a word that we often use. How many times do you begin your prayers, Dear God, my keeper? We might pray our Heavenly Father, or we might pray to the Lord Jesus, but we don't use this language of keeper or protector very often. But it's the same word that's used when Adam has to keep the garden. When Adam 
protects the garden, when Adam works in the garden, where Adam is plucking out the weeds and fertilising the bushes, the trees. God is being described in this psalm not as someone who relates to the world as set and forget. He sets it up, then he goes off on his holiday or goes off his own business. No, God is our keeper. God is the one who carefully, personally, individually weeds my life, fertilises my life nurtures my soul. Proverbs 19.18 says the same. The Lord is your keeper. The psalmist knows that all power resides with the maker of heaven and earth, not on the mountaintops, right? But that same one who made everything cares for you in every tiny way because he's the keeper he's treating you like you might care for your garden now i'm hoping that you do care for your garden right and that your you know that your pot plants inside the house aren't kind of dying at regular at regular rates the maker is your keeper who's concerned about what's going on in your soul. Moment by moment, day by day. God works constantly, day and night. Some advertisers speak about around-the-clock protection for deodorants. God is giving around the original kind of around-the-clock protection. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. There's never a moment in the day when God isn't concerned about you. One of the prayers I pray most often is this, that God would keep out of my life people who'd hurt me or harm me, distract me as a Christian, but that God would bring into my life people who would nurture me and encourage me and protect me. And you know what God has faithfully answer that prayer for years and years and years that he'd be my keeper right by keeping out of my life people who might harm me and bringing into my life people who would bless me and sometimes I don't even know about it right that's the beauty of it all can you remember the story in the book of numbers of King Balak who wants to curse Israel And he calls in a prophet called Balaam to do the cursing. It's a fantastic story. Read it, Numbers 22 to 24, if you don't know it. But the amazing thing about that story is, over there, way away from Israel, 
Some random king is wanting to curse Israel and God is protecting Israel because Balaam says, I will not do it. Israel never knows about this. Israel's down the road. But God is protecting Israel. He's their keeper, even though Israel has no idea that Balak has called in Balaam to offer a curse. Sometimes God's your keeper protecting you when you have no idea. I love that story. God's my keeper even when I don't know about it. God's your keeper not when dramatic things happen. God's your keeper all day, all night. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night, the psalmist says. And it's not just that God is constantly looking after us. He's powerfully looking after us as well. Verse 7, the Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going now and forever. All evil, all harm, every part of your life, God is more powerful in than that evil. God is creating some kind of buffer around us so that the worst this world can do doesn't have its way. I'm old enough to remember a, a show on TV called Lost in Space. Some of, the, some of uh, people my age in the congregation, even younger folk even remember it. That's good. I think it's been rebooted as a, as a movie in recent years. But what I loved about uh, Lost in Space when I was a kid at least is that you could flip the switch and turn on the, the force field. So the ship that they uh, travelled around the galaxy in could switch on this force field so that the bad guys were kept away. They couldn't get through that force field. That's something like what God's grace is for us. Okay, we feel sometimes the world's ill, but you know what? God is keeping the worst of the world's harm away from you. From birth to death, in your daily routine, wherever you are on that road, God is providing protection. I did the most dumb thing ever years ago when I was living in Germany. I was running late for the train. I had to catch a tram to the main station and then to get on the train I was catching. And because I was running late, I decided that I'd go from one tram uh, uh, stop to the other side of the road, get down into the tram lines and climb up again onto the other platform, right? Uh, it was only like three metres. It wasn't electrified, so I thought I was pretty safe. However, I, got, I had a backpack on, right? Uh, I get down into the tram tracks but I hadn't noticed that there was a tra tram just arriving on my side. 
and he kind of dinged his bell and I kind of panicked and I fell over into the tracks. So my legs were on one set of tracks and my arms were on the other. I also had noticed how there was a tram on the other track arriving from the other direction. So here I was like a turtle, couldn't get up because my backpack was on, my face was bleeding, my arms on one track, my legs on the other, as both trams slam on their brakes and stop just before they took away my, all my limbs. <laughs> so I'm kind of dazed, feeling kind of like an idiot. I managed to get up onto the platform, and of course, Germans like to curse people, it's just kind of what they do, so everyone on the platform was telling me what an idiot I was. Um, I kind of felt like it as well, right? Uh, I get into the tram and feeling still dazed and the tram driver gets onto the microphone and says, hey, that guy who just got onto the tram with his backpack, you're an idiot, which didn't help my cause very much, I must say. So I quickly get out my Bible to find the psalm that David prayed when he got almost run over by two trams. Um, and Psalm 121 was the closest I got. The Lord protected me from the worst that those trams could do. Sometimes he protects me from dangers that I don't know about, but sometimes he protects me from dangers that I do know about and can see rolling towards me. But remarkably in this psalm as well, it's not just that God is a force, a power. God is also personal and protects me knowing me that I might know him. Sometimes in the Bible, God uses uh, the east wind to stir up the Red Sea or God uses circumstances to help his people. But in this psalm, at least, it's God personally the Lord, verse 5, is a shelter by your right side. It's the Lord. It's not some other kind of shelter. It's him, He Himself at my right side. The Lord, the Lord has my back. He will protect my life. He will protect my coming in and my going out, both now and forever. This psalm is not just talking about a gift that God gives. It's talking about God himself being the gift. He's the one who's turning up to protect me, to keep me, to nurture me, to protect me. You can look at the world and see something beautiful, but do you look at the world and see God present to us? He himself. Listen to this paragraph from one of my great heroes of the faith, a man named Jonathan Edwards, how he described the day of his conversion. He's describing nature, but he's actually not just describing nature, he's describing God who is close to him through nature. Listen to this quotation. As I was walking there in the fields near my father's house and looked up on the sky and clouds, there came into my mind 
a sweet sense of the glorious majesty and grace of God. He's not just seeing God's power. He's seeing God's grace, God giving himself, God coming close, that he says, I know not how to express. I seem to see them both in a sweet conjunction, majesty and meekness joined together. It was sweet and gentle, a holy majesty, a majestic meekness and awful sweetness, a high and great and holy gentleness. The appearance of everything was changed. He's, 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 he's struggling to find the words, repeating words and mixing words up because he's going, this is just too good to believe. There seemed to be a calm, sweet cast and appearance of divine glory in almost everything. We can look at the world around us and see beautiful things. We can look at the world around us and see how close God wants to be. God is our keeper. He's work all the time, and he's at work powerfully, and he's at work personally. He has our back. So no wonder when Jesus teaches his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount... He says they shouldn't be anxious about food or drink or the clothes that we wear because, he says, our Heavenly Father watches over us. Our Heavenly Father protects us. Our Heavenly Father is our keeper. He provides for us. In fact, what I'm doing this morning is nothing more than explaining the doctrine of providence. And you can see in the word providence... Another word, provide. We're speaking about God, our keeper, who powerfully involves himself in the world and in our life. He knows me better than I know me. He knows you better than you know you. That's kind of the deal with God, right? Sometimes we have to be a little bit suspicious of ourselves and trust that the Lord knows me better than I know myself. So the, the rule is, apparently, if you're lost in the Swiss Alps, the rescue team will send out a St Bernard dog. And the, little, and the St Bernard dog has a little barrel around his neck. You've probably seen it in cartoons, right? A little barrel of whiskey so that when you see the St. Bernard or when the St. Bernard dog finds you, you, un you untie the whiskey and take a swig and you'll feel warm again, right? That's the idea. If you're lost in the cold, it's good to feel warm. Actually, of course, the very most wrong thing to do when you're feeling cold is to drink alcohol, right? So you feel warm, but that actually means because of the alcohol, warmth is leaving your body. It's actually going to leave you colder. No, you might feel like it's the right thing to do. 
it's actually exactly the wrong thing to do. Sometimes that's like us with the Christian life. We think we know what's right for us, but actually it might feel right. It can be exactly wrong. This psalm is teaching us to lean into God who is our keeper, who has our back, who knows us better than we know ourselves. This psalm is teaching us, don't panic when things seem to go wrong. Panicking for Christians is the worst thing we can do because we, we make bad decisions, we lose orientation, we lose our path, we might even lose our faith. No, when we panic, we give in to the fears that dominate our lives. We assume that the thing we're scared of is more powerful than I am, and so we give up and we give in. There are so many fearsome things in our world that Christians, that, they, that might cause Christians to panic. But don't make those scary things a home in your soul don't panic God is our keeper the best kind of Christian life is the steady Christian life walking steadfastly perhaps slowly in a straight line towards our destination Eugene Pedersen, who has translated lots of the scriptures into a contemporary kind of English, she might have read some of his books about how to care for the soul, said, all the, water in the, all the water in all the oceans of the world cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside. Isn't that a great quote? All the water in all the oceans of the world cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside. You're okay. If, if you keep the maker of the heavens and the earth the focus of your life, that maker, that powerful one, who is your keeper and nurtures us carefully and individually, then nothing that this world throws up can destabilize us enough that we throw in the faith. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you as well. I want you to be stable Christians. Not merely feeling a force, but seeing the face. Not merely feeling the force, but seeing the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian faith is not just giving into a force, but trusting in a person. I saw this oh, I saw a, a clip on the on the TV news. They were interviewing a, a Muslim in a Syrian refugee camp. And this is what the man who they interviewed said. What sins did my kids commit that I lost my arms and can't feed them? What an awful way of living. 
what sins did my kids commit that I lost my arms and can't feed them? A kind of fatalism about life. Not delight in the Lord's kind of provision, but a resignation that how somehow he just wants to punish us. God is not distant, but close. Not weak, but strong. Not distracted, but vigilant. Turning his face towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know there's so much frustration in Melbourne, in the world concerning the pandemic. It's been tough for us all. The danger, though, is to then either start panicking or to swing from one different kind of idea to another different kind of idea when actually the only thing we need to do day by day is look to the face of Jesus Christ who is our keeper. Listen to these beautiful words of a hymn about God's providence. God moves in mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. The psalmist asks the questions, should we look to the mountains? Where does my help come from? The mountains are just full of pagan religion, don't look there. But we can look to that hill called Calvary where Jesus shed his blood to offer us ultimate protection and to reassure us of God's daily mercies. So the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.